Jay Zygmunt is a CFP and a PhD. He's a child-free wealth specialist doing life and financial planning for child-free and permanently childless people. He's also the author of Portraits of Child-Free Wealth. Welcome, Jay. Hey, thanks for having me, George. Yeah, excited to have you on. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, more about your work, and why you do what you do. So my wife and I are child-free, and it was one of those things where I, my background is actually in healthcare and and coaching in academia. And I went to become a CFP and I realized there was never once a mention in any of the CFP literature about being child free. It's like, it just doesn't exist. And I started researching this and saying, well, how weird are me and my wife? Now we're both PhDs. So we're weird by nature. So, you know, maybe we're weird for another reason, but like the, how weird we are because we're child free and the life we're living and come to find out somewhere around about 20, 25% of the U S is child free, but yet it's completely ignored. And it's, it's one of those areas, you know, there's, there's very little that's new in finance, but this is one of those, I don't know, pioneering areas. Well, right on. Well, I've got three kids and I can tell you that uh, it certainly has an economic impact on you, Jay. Well, it's funny because people always go, well, you're child free, so you must be rich. And there's <laughs> not like a, a money fairy that comes in, you know, just drops off checks. You know, income disparities are still there, but... You're right. It's about 18 grand a year for kids on average. So times three, then you're you're running up the bills. For sure, for sure. So all kidding aside, so 20, 25% of United States adults are are child free. So that is that is a big that is a big number. So you had the the thought of why aren't we talking about this? Why why do you think we're not talking about it? Well, I think part of it is there's just this assumption, oh, you'll change your mind. Hmm. which is not the case. I mean, from my book, Portrait of Child Free Wild, I interviewed people that at 21 were getting sterilized. So, I mean, like, this is not like a, you know, just a random thought they have. You know, these people that don't have kids, aren't planning on having kids. And it's just one of those things where it's like, hey, you know, we could just do the same financial plan. You'll just take the kids out. That's not true. Or, hey, you know, this is just a phase. No, that's not true either. And if you actually look at the data, uh, when we get to millennials and Gen Z, the percentage they're saying they're going to be child-free are much, much higher. And then people are like, yeah, but they'll change their mind. I'm like, I don't think so. I mean, we're talking about people that, you know, that I did a study to look at why people choose to be child-free. And most of them have more than one reason. Very well thought out. It starts with, you know, hey, just didn't want to have kids, finance, economics, politics, environment, medical reasons. I mean, good, good reasons. My wife and I, just 50-50 chance of dying if she gets pregnant. Made our decision pretty simple. But I think there's just this assumption that, well, maybe they'll just, you know, change their mind. Yeah, it's people putting their values on other people, right? Because I, it's obvious that I always wanted to have kids. So why wouldn't everybody else always want to have kids? Well, and it's funny. My wife and I have lived all across the U.S. When we're in the Northeast, people were kind of like, yeah, whatever. You don't want to have kids, your choice. Get to the Midwest, people were like, well, you know, you really need to. We're now living in the South and there's no other choice. Like you have to have kids, you know, and I live in Mississippi in a post row world and it's the politics of it are quite challenging. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, our, our governor publicly came out and said, well, we're not looking at banning contraception yet. I'm like, yeah. Okay. Well, definitely want to impose on people. So. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a lot going on there, Jay, that we're probably not going to be able to tackle today, but so we can just create the same plan. Just take out the kids. Why, why doesn't that work? 
Well, let's start at the end. You know, so if you look at most child-free folks, they want to die with zero. You know, their goal is not to pass on money to the next generation. Well, if you're not going to pass on money to the next generation, most financial planning kind of falls apart. You know, so if, you, if you're a financial planning nerd, we do these things called Monte Carlo simulations, which is the chance you're going to run out of money. And you know, 99% chance you won't run out of money. Well, that's a 99% chance failure for a child-free person. So it changes everything. And then we go to the next step and say, well, most child-free folks that I work with don't really want to retire. Rather than approaching FIRE, financial independence retire early, they're approaching FILE, financial independence live early, where they're trying to find the dimmer switch to work and the work-life balance throughout their life. And, and it just keeps going on and on and on to the basic assumptions of finance just don't fit. Like even a simple one, buying a house. Well, if you're not going to stay in the area, you don't need the school system, buying a house is a choice, not a requirement. But that's a cornerstone of the standard financial planning. So lots of important stuff. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, it, you know, I did it once, I did an article. I, I was doing it for kids.com on being child, on helping people reach child-free population. And originally it was titled 15 things that being child-free changes your financial plan. And then I like couldn't stop at 15. So like, just keeps going. It just keeps going. I get it. So that's, I think that that is a, Really, I find it to be really interesting, the whole fire thing, work-life balance. We're talking a lot about where we want to work, how we want to work, where we want to live, where we want to live. And certainly, when you have children, your flexibility, at least from my experience, is is a lot less. It's, 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 it's very different. So being able to have these conversations with, with yourself about it and then with a potential spouse about it, about what's most important – do you find that people have have come to the decision about we're not going to have kids and if one partner has and the other hasn't how does that conversation go or how do you have that conversation the way i say it is if you're still debating having kids i'm not the right financial planner for you follow the standard plan until you've decided your child free there was an interesting uh person in my book who him and his wife got married decided they were child-free, and then sometime later in the marriage, she changed her mind. And it's a really interesting topic to, dis- to discuss. And he said it this way. He said, he decided, yeah, okay, we'll try to have kids because he'd rather, you know, him be miserable and her not. And it was really a, one of those kind of debates. Do we stay together? What do we do? And in actuality, in the end, because the fertility issues didn't work out, but it's one of those that the best answer I've ever heard is having kids, it has to be two enthusiastic yeses. If one person's kind of like, well, that causes issues, you know, and, and that's hard, you know, it's finding that right match. I call it, you know, compatible baggage. Do we have the right compatible baggage coming to marriage? It's more than just kids. It's finances, life, everything else, but it has to be two enthusiastic. Yes. I think that that's a great way to describe it. Certainly relationships are hard and then you throw in some other people, it's going to make it a lot harder. And then if you throw in some extra people and one person didn't really want those extra people, then it's probably not going to be a successful family unit or relationship or anything else. So, Well, we get people always ask child-free folks, well, won't you regret it if you don't have kids? And, I, and my answer, I hate to say it, is a little, little snarky is I'd rather regret not having kids than regret having kids. Hmm. You really can't change your mind. 
Yeah. Well, sometimes a little snarkiness is, uh, is, 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 I think appropriate. So it's, I think appropriate, um, in terms of wanting to spend all the money, I'm sure that, well, I, I, I don't know. Don't some folks have charitable community type desires? Well, yeah. If you actually look at the data, the, um, the foundations that raise money, they're really good at understanding who gives them money and who doesn't. Let's just be real on that. You know, they, they, they've got it down to science and they figured out child-free people give a higher percentage and larger amounts. Cool. That's one way to do it. But it's about different options. The way we say it is living a life of child-free wealth means you have time, money, and freedom to do what you enjoy. So, for example, I've got people in their 30s that can cut back on work because the members said they didn't want to retire. They want a different life. Go find a different career and enjoy it throughout their life. And then invest the money in themselves rather than just passing it on when they die. It's also a question of your goals. You know, if you want to just raise money for charity, cool. I have other people that are like, yep, I'm going to take a job at a nonprofit making, you know, whatever, 20% of what I would have made in a commercial area and help them throughout my life. And that works too. Yeah, I appreciate that. So I am the victim of my own sort of bias or blind spots here. I'm thinking it's going to be uh, a man or a woman that you're working with, but I'm sure that there's plenty of people that are same sex. Do you have thoughts on that? Yeah. So the study, there's a study on Michigan that looked at adults over 18 and what percent were child free. And they found about 20% were child free by choice. 5% were childless, not by choice. And they found in that same sample, about just shy of 8% were LGBTQ plus but a lot of the LGBTQ plus population, 49% were child-free. Hmm. So, you know, nearly half. Um, and it's it's interesting. In the LGBTQ plus population, it seems to be there's kind of a, a pretty sharp split. The people are definitely not having kids and definitely having kids. And there's a little less of the crossover, you know, well, if it happens, it happens. Yeah, oh, I appreciate that. What are, so we talked about, obviously, retirement, buying a home. And, and, and you talked about a list of 15 things that grew to be a lot more than that. For people who are listening to this and they say, oh, you know what? I've never even thought that I should have specific financial planning because I'm different than a lot of people, the traditional market. What are some of those, some, some other things that they should be thinking about? Yeah. What I tell people is, Ask your financial planner how your plan is different because you're child-free. If they say it's not different, well, that's that's a bad sign. You know, if they say you're gonna change your mind, that's even worse sign. You know, if they say, well, I don't know, look look at it, that's that's a that's at least honest. And the way I look at it is with child-free folks, we need to figure out their life plan first, then their finances, then their taxes. To example, somebody comes that calls me and says, Hey, when can I retire? I usually reply and say, Well, do you want to retire? Well, they say no. Okay, well, then why are you asking when can I retire? What happens is the standard financial plan, and George, I could, I could take your financial plan, and most parents' financial plan is just a different set of numbers. Three kids, two kids, college numbers change. It's just a different set of numbers, but it's all the same plan. Child-free folks, I have people where they have three different sets of goals in the same year. You know, oh, I'm going to be a pilot today. I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to do this. Okay, and that's normal to the point where the plan needs to to reflect that. You know, I do ongoing financial planning intentionally because of that. You know, even some simple things, you know, well, you need 10 to, tell, 10 to 12 times your income for life insurance. Not if you're child free, because if nobody's relying on your income, you don't need life insurance. 
but you do need disability insurance. One of the other ones we get commonly is, well, who's going to take care of you when you're older? Well, I've got people in their, you know, my goal is in their 40s to figure out a plan for long-term care, either money set aside or insurance so they can handle that. Another common one is child-free folks are expected to take care of their parents more often. It's the old, you don't have kids, so you could take care of mom. You know, all of these things get in there. You know, we, we have a program we call the Eight No Baby Steps for Child-Free Folks. And one of the you know, step seven is plan for mom and dad because it's that much of an impact. You know, it, what happens is if you look, you know, you get that pile of books behind you, look at any financial book, it all assumes kids are in there. And what ends up happening is if you're getting advice online, you're getting advice that doesn't match your life. And that's a challenge. Yeah, those are uh, those are major, major, major planning opportunities and necessities that if you were just looking at traditional stuff, you would probably probably gloss over the importance of disability insurance. It's important for everybody, but very much more so probably for for what we're talking about here. And then having a plan for care as we age. And I don't want to say that you're getting stuck with mom or dad because your brothers and sisters have kids and it's going to be easier for you. But that sounds like that probably does happen more than more than we might think. It does. And I think the hard part of it is all of those things are just built into the standard financial plan and the financial planning software. Like I actually have to literally like hack the planning software I use to make it work for child free people. Because you have to take all these pieces out. And then you're like, huh, now how do I create a software that says, I want to die with zero versus have my net worth constantly go up? You know, a great example of this is if you look at somebody that charges on a percentage-based AUM basis, you know, where they're charging a percent of your assets, they want your assets to go up your entire life. Well, if you're child-free and you want your assets to go down, there's a conflict of interest in there that I'm not sure you're going to be able to solve. Yeah, I appreciate that. So you are... You are blazing a trail uh, in, in a lot of respect and creating a new category of financial planning that that means you need different software and different this, different that. So as you're thinking about how to make different, how, how, how are you thinking about charging? You mentioned AUM. How do you how do you charge for your services? I'm advice only. I charge on either a monthly retainer or an hourly basis. Uh, the way I work is I meet with my clients every month. We work on it for about an hour, an hour offline. And when what my rule is, is when you no longer get five hours value, I want you to fire me because they come and go. Because what happens with many child-free folks is we'll get a good place, get their plan in place. They'll be good for six months, 12 months, a couple of years. And they're like, oh, by the way, I want to move to Portugal. And you're like, all right, let's redo your whole plan. You know, and, and it's, I intentionally use that advice only model because if somebody's trying to dive a zero, the advice only model is a bit, you know, less of a conflict. There's still conflict somewhere, but you you're not you're not incentivized for their their net worth to constantly go up. I actually find more than half of my clients. I'm talking about how to spend money rather than how to save money, which would go against some of those classic financial planning models. That's a fascinating thing in today's world that people are struggling to figure out how to spend their money versus hold on to it or just have enough of it. Well, I mean, so here's how we do the long, the die with zero plan. We come up with a plan for long-term care, you know, whether we put money aside or insurance, put off social security till 70, and then some cash cushion at the end. The cash cushion usually reflects kind of the client's comfort level or, or whatever they want to go. And then we look at their numbers and go, okay, how much do you have to spend to spend the rest of your money? 
And it's interesting. I actually call it the blueberry problem, right? I have these people that have been savers forever. They buy the, they buy the frozen blueberries because they're a dollar cheaper than the fresh blueberries. And I'm like, just buy the damn blueberries. You're fine. Like, you're okay. And it's really, really hard because, you know, money guilt comes in there and, you know, different mental models and the behavioral side to say, hey, I just keep need to save. I need to, to work hard. I need to... And I'm like, no, you can just enjoy your life. And it's interesting. On my intro meetings, and I'll do the, an hour just to get to know people, about a third of them end up in tears or close to because they realize, oh, they feel like they're heard and there's another option. And that's the hard part is, is that shift of saying, okay, here's something that, that, you know, a plan that fits you versus the standard life plan. And by the way, that plan says we got to go spend money, which by the way, can be giving, could be, you know, investing in whatever it is, but we need to have a plan for that. As you're having conversations and working to bring on new clients, people talk about the importance of having a niche and being really specific with with the person or the, or, or the kind of person that you're serving. How is how is this being received? Yeah, so uh, this is one of those like, so I come out. I'm a PhD. I come out of research, and one of the rules in research is. If you find a gap in the research, the gap might be there for a reason. Like, you don't, that's just not a reason to do it. So, like, when I started off on this, I'm like, maybe there's a reason why. And I had somebody the other day, I was in a Facebook group with uh, financial planners, and we were talking about Die with Zero. And he goes, Well, those are clients that Nick Murray would tell you to go away from. And he's one of the big numbers guys on this because, you know, they're, all, they're running it. And I'm like, No, I'm running to them. So I started this and I'll tell you, it's been awesome. You know, I, I do, I wrote the book, did a lot of, I do a lot of press and on the same day, uh, Market Watch did an article calling it the best new idea in retirement and Wall Street Journal did a full article on it. And you know what, Market Watch and Wall Street Journal do a full article on child-free financial planning. You do pretty well after that. Like, you know, like I'm, I just gotta be honest on that. You know, I've beaten all the numbers, all the goals that I wanna get to. I'm actually having a bigger issue that I'm trying to talk to financial planners and say, hey, please come help this population. Because I mean, it's 20% of the US. I can't handle that many people. Right, right. No matter how good your systems are, Jay. <laughs> you know, I spend half of my time talking to child-free folks about their finances. And the other time talking to financial people about child-free folks. And I will tell you, it's been uh, entertaining in some cases and sad in others. I mean. I was at a conference about a year ago and guy up front says, well, dealing with people without kids is the worst. I'm like, you can't say that, buddy. Because if you said that about any other minority group, could you understand? Dealing with blank is the worst. The whole conference would shut down, but that bias is so strong. What he really was saying was the state planning for child-free folks has some challenges. Who's going to be power attorney, et cetera. He didn't get to that part, but that's really what he meant. And I'm like, can I just get people to stop saying stupid stuff? We'll start there and then go and then work on the rest. No, that's a bigger problem, Jay. <laughs> oh. oh, man, I think that that is awesome. At least, at least people are being honest. You know, I'd rather, I'd rather them be 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 honest about things. But he just hadn't thought about he or she hadn't thought it all the way through. Anyway, or maybe they had. Why am well, I guessing? I, mean, I think what happens is we, it's called a pronatalist bias. The whole society has a bias. You're going to have kids. It's just part of the standard life plan. You go to school. You get married, you have kids, buy a house. You, all this stuff is built in, you know, to point like, well, child-free people don't have families. Oh, no, no, no. We have families, just different families. We don't have kids. Oh, you're not going to leave a legacy. No, we're going to leave a legacy. It's just not going to be a genetic legacy. Like, and, and it's just the terminology and the structure. You know, I had somebody that worked for me. I was one in healthcare. 
She stops me in the hall. She says, I've been thinking about you and your wife. You're both really smart. You really need to have kids. I'm like, who the heck do you think you are? Thank you. you. But but that's just like the 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 stuff that we deal with. And it's, you know, it's okay. I mean, I had somebody else, uh, I heard a story about another financial planner who started to serve child-free folks, and he actually had kids himself and stopped because like at his church he was, you know, getting bashed because, well, you hate kids, you hate you know, I'm like, dude, it's not we don't hate kids. We don't, it's just it's a different way of life. It's not better or worse, it's different. Yeah. Um, well, I love it. It is uh, dealing with uh, fascinating to be on the on the bleeding edge of of a new kind of planning and everything that kind of goes along with that good, bad, and and ugly and indifferent. So I appreciate it. Well, Jay, thanks so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? How can they engage? Where can they get a copy of Portraits of Child Free Wealth? Yeah, you can get a free copy ebook childfreewealth.com slash book. You can also visit our website, Child for Wealth, Child for Wealth on all the socials except for Twitter, because you know they he said childless folks shouldn't have a vote. You know, just kind of have fun with that. And the Child Free Wealth Podcast, everywhere you get podcasts. Excellent. Well, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Jay your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to childfreewealth.com and learn more about this. Uh, discipline of planning and then go to childfreewealth.com slash book and pick up a free copy of portraits of child free wealth and check out the child free wealth podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts thanks again jay thanks for having me till next time remember do your part by doing your best <laughs>